Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing so, thank you and tell your friends to do so as well. Besides nhte.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't fret if you don't see your favorite on there. Look for this show almost anywhere that you get podcasts. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who has opened for the likes of George Jones, Tanya Tucker, Lee Greenwood, Billy Ray Cyrus, and more. Plus, she has performed with Mick Fleetwood. She also once had the opportunity to interview the legendary B.B. King. More recently, she has been in the studio recording new music and is also a part of the last Honky Tonk music series, both of which we will talk about today. She has performed at the famous Bluebird Cafe there in Nashville and just a couple weeks ago did a number of performances during the 35th Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival on the Alabama-Florida border. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Never Look Back. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Colleen Loy. Hi, Bruce. Hi, everyone out there. Colleen, thanks for taking time out of your day to do this. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Let's start off by having you tell the listeners about the song of yours that was just playing called Never Look Back, especially since I was talking over it and they can't hear the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I was um, with my co-writer, Sherry Love, and we were in the beautiful um, place of Isla Mujeres in Mexico while she was swimming and basking in the pool. I was poolside with my guitar, and she had hummed back in um, Nashville, something like, never look back, never look back. And I said, is that kind of like, a, you want to like a Melissa Etheridge rage kind of song? And so it just kind of came out. We combined our experiences with people we had dated and or married <laughs> to and um, came out with what we call our rage anthem kind of thing. <laughs> and yeah, they're probably wondering what is wrong with them? <laughs> what is wrong with the two of them? But yeah, we had fun. There's a lot of tequila involved as well. <laughs> well, the part of that story that I also like is that you're by a pool because I hear so many stories told on this show of songwriters in different places, times, ways that they'll write songs. And I mean, that just goes to prove right there that when you have songwriter in your blood, you just can't turn it off. And there you are in a situation like people would think, well, you're just going to put it aside and relax at the pool. And it's like, no, we're actually working on a song. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. I was sitting outside. I mean, it was beautiful weather because the the sea was literally across the street, and you could see it from where we were. And she was in the pool, and I, of course, I teased her like, "How come you're in the pool and I'm out here with the guitar?" <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, we had a blast doing that. We wrote several songs on that trip. We were quite proud that we managed to drink tequila, have fun, and work hard. Wow, wow, that is impressive. <laughs> Well, yeah. just over 19 years ago, I moved here to Florida, and the year before I came to the Sunshine State, you left Sacramento, California. You relocated to Nashville. So I wonder, was that for obvious reasons, meaning was it the typical story of, I knew I wanted a career in music, so I up and left for Music City? Because if that is the case, I wonder why you wouldn't have just gone a little south to Los Angeles instead of across the country to Nashville. Well, um, the Loy family, my father's name, and that is my real name, Colleen Loy, uh, they all live in Southern California. So the easy choice would have been to go to Los Angeles and you know either hang out with relatives or something to that effect. But the true story is, um, as I probably you can hear in my voice, I've been a rock and roll singer my entire life. And um, I was singing at, I think it was a karaoke bar, actually, 
And someone said, you should go and enter this competition at the Yellow Rose. And I didn't know what the Yellow Rose was or what they were talking about. It was a country bar, which I'd never set foot in. (laughs) And I asked what the prize was. (laughs) And they said, it's a trip to Nashville. I thought, well, I would like to win that. Wow. I went out and and I knew I was going to win. I'm not sure how I knew, but I just did. And I bought a red fringy dress and red cowboy boots and a couple other outfits for the semifinals. It was a six-week competition. And I just learned a Trisha Yearwood song, Black Velvet, uh, a lot of miles, a couple of things like she's in love with the boy and like we never had a broken heart. And I knew I was going to win. I was emphatic about winning and um, I ended up winning and going to Nashville to record. And I actually ended up singing a Keith Urban song before he was discovered called Hold On To Your Dreams um, because I knew his manager at the time over in Australia. It's a long story, but... I knew a bunch of people that work with him and um, I ended up winning and that was back in, I believe, 1992 and kind of a combination of divorce and trauma and everything else that goes in with it over the course of time being flown back and forth to Nashville. Um, when I stepped off the plane the first time, I felt like there was just music in the air and I knew I needed to get back there. Mm. So I came back every year. And I, I kept getting, you know, flown in to do this or flown in to do that, Jack Daniels Festival and things of that nature. Wow. And I fell in love with it. But finally, and finally, finally, 1999, I had the courage to quit my job and just sell everything I owned and move to Nashville. And I did get a job two days later, but I did not have a job when I arrived. <laughs> so. This is where I always say that if this was a video podcast, at the bottom of the screen, it would say results not typical. Because first, I'm thinking, like, do not try this at home. If you're a young artist who's listening right now and you're going, see, she did it. She up and moved without a job to go to. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah, this, don't do it. This I'm, is the I'm not advocating that at all. You have to. <laughs> this place is brutal. Nashville is a wonderful place to be, but I am not by any stretch of the imagination advocating for anyone to quit their job because it's hard enough just to be alive here in this, especially doing music. Cutthroat. Well, and you just said that you took a job with a law firm there. So you didn't just up and move to Nashville and say, here we go, let's hope this music thing works out, because a couple days into it, you were already getting a nine-to-five and saying, okay, I'm here to do music, but... Right. I've always been responsible. Be responsible. It's like, don't drink and drive. Be responsible with your job. (laughs) (laughs) But let me back up here. So you said that that contest at a place you'd never heard of before, it was a karaoke contest? No, it wasn't. It actually, I was singing karaoke and somebody in the audience came up and heard me sing and said, I think you, as a complete stranger, need to um, go and sing in this competition. It literally was like the next day. I think I had one day between the competition so I could go shopping and literally learn a Trisha Yearwood song and Black Velvet. I had no clue about country music. I'd heard of Dolly Parton. I've heard stuff, but I never sang it. So I had one day to buy the outfits, one day to learn the songs, and one day to compete (laughs) to get in with these people. Amazing. That's what they had been practicing for. But like I said, I knew in my soul that I was winning that trip and I was going to Nashville. Amazing. And that was that, and I did. And, yes, I I learned how to manifest. Yeah, I'm glad that you gave the clarification because I couldn't imagine that a karaoke contest would have a prize that big. But also, wouldn't it be interesting to know, or I should say, wouldn't it be interesting for that person to know that them telling you that resulted in what it has turned out to be, that you won, you flew to Nashville, and... Then eventually you moved to Nashville, and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, so. I, I wish I could thank them for telling me, and I don't even know who it was. It was a random human yeah. in the audience. Yeah, meant, meant to be. <laughs> and I had sure. pneumonia. Oh, to my gosh. To be honest, I had pneumonia when I was singing. I, I did, and I was mortally depressed, and um, they were, my friend was trying to get me out of the house because I was depressed. It was like fresh divorce, you know, mm. really not feeling it, <laughs> not feeling anything, numb. Wow. And so I managed to sing, and I was sick as well. So I was like, this is crazy. I I must be out of my mind. And I am, pretty much. <laughs> well, 11 weeks ago, back on episode 293 of the show, Don Miggs was talking about some of the people that he has had the opportunity to work with, and one of them was Mick Fleetwood. I mentioned that name in the intro, but go ahead and tell the story about how you got the opportunity to perform with him. Well, 
that's kind of a it's a cheating thing because my father lived on Maui for years and Mick has a home there and they're friends um, with along with Steven Tyler and some other wonderful musicians on the island. But Mick, my dad helped Mick get his liquor license for his place, Fleetwoods on Front Street. Ah. And we were all having dinner with Mick and his entourage, his friends and his manager and things of that nature. And I'd been talking to his manager for a while and they were just getting ready to go back on tour. And, you know, Jonathan, his manager said, oh, you're not going to be able to sing with him this time. He's, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yes, I am. I'm going to sing with him. (laughs) So I had brought my guitar and I put it in the car in the trunk and I was sitting next to his uh, assistant at dinner and I just said, I I want to sing. And it wasn't just necessarily with him. He he always has his kit up on the rooftop. It's always set up and I play a Uh. lot with his locals. There's a lot of locals that I've played with over there and over the years and they just show up and play. And so... Mick was standing behind me after dinner, and I looked back, and he's very tall. And, of course, his head, I I had to look up to say this to him. I said, well, Mick, um, we're going to go play music, and if you're inspired by anything I'm playing, I would love to have you play. And he didn't even wait. He just went and sat down. Wow. <laughs> he immediately sat down at his kit. And I said, well, how about we do landslide? Of course, I was, like, shaking like a leaf. <laughs> and then... Um, then I played one of mine. I said, let's do Put Your Eyes on Me, which is another one of my new recordings that we're, we'll talk about later for the album. And he did a marvelous job, as one would expect. And then we just kicked it out with me and Bobby McGee and tore the rooftop off. And <laughs> it was really fun. I love it. I he's, love a, it. he's a super, super nice guy. But listeners, let me tell you, if you are an up-and-coming performer, you're an aspiring entertainer of some kind, there's a couple good takeaways there. Number one is... For Colleen to talk to Mick or the manager or whoever, number one, if you're going to do that, you have to know, and I mean really know, that you're good. Not this, I'm good. No, you really have to be good. So secondly is, I love, Colleen, the way that you phrased that. If you're inspired by what you hear me playing and you want to join us, you didn't say, you're going to come up there, aren't you? You know, kind of put him on the spot. It was very much, you gave him an out if need be. So mm-hmm. I really like a lot about that story. And obviously it, it had a happy ending. Again, yes, part of it is who you know, but at the same time, you could know someone like Mick Fleetwood, but if you're really pretty dry, if you're really pretty green, rather, then you probably don't want to stick your neck out like that. But you also already told us that's your personality, that, you're, that you said, even though the manager said he's not going to be able to play this time, you told yourself, no, I, I know, I know I'm going to play with him. I, I believe that people can manifest what they actually visualize and contra- um, concentrate on. And if I'd learned that a long time ago, and I do agree with you, you don't want to try that at home. <laughs> it's like yeah. another thing. That you, I know a lot of people that I um, have met over the course of time that are incredible people, but unless they are interested in what you have, you don't ask them because it repels them. It absolutely repels them. So, yes, phrasing is everything, and knowing your place is everything, and you got to pay your dues. I mean, most some people don't, and they get lucky, and that's awesome, good for them. But there's a pecking order kind of thing, and just know your place and, and observe and let people get to know you without an agenda. If you have an agenda, you're going to be blackballed. You're going to be pushed aside and cast aside and you will not get an opportunity because people are going to know that you are starved for attention mm. or something. Great advice. And, and that is something that people really, really need to get to know. Like you don't approach a hit writer or a writer for that matter and say, I'd like to write with you because that right away puts their defenses up and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? Nope. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> they want to... If they like what you're doing and you're out there networking in the songwriter, you know, rounds or whatever at the Commodore or wherever you go to do it, and they hear what you're liking and they approach you, that's a different story. But you don't go up to them and say, hey, I'd like to write with you. I, I didn't even think about doing that with the people that I've written with. They the one, they approached me. Mm. And it's kind of like, wow, this is cool. This writer wants to write with me. Wow. Nice. You know, nice. finally, somebody cares. <laughs> And listeners, by the way, when you hit Colleen's website, you'll see a picture of her at the microphone singing and playing with Mick Fleetwood clearly behind her 
on the drums. Before we start getting into present day, Colleen, and some of your current projects, I'm sure you never get tired of sharing the story about you and B.B. King. Go ahead and tell that if you would. I was in, and I still am, I think I'm on the board of a thing called the Third Coast Music Series with uh, Rich Armantrout. And Rich has been friends with Tommy Peters, which was B.B. King's manager, and I think he still manages all the activities and stuff that B.B. King's legacy has provided to the world. And he had an upcoming interview, and he said, Colleen, I think I need you to be the one to interview B.B. King. And I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. And I had been playing at B.B. King's on 2nd Avenue in Nashville, Uh. though I hadn't got to meet him. And so we set it up, and of course, I was terrified. I was like, I'm going to be there. Not only you get to do it and, and talk with this man, but they're videotaping it. So I can't read my piece of paper that I've, you know, orchestrated carefully. Like, what do you ask a legend that he hasn't been asked 9 million times? Yeah. And if you go to my website, I think there's um, an EPK that we kind of put down to boil down where I'm asking BB what he would like for people to remember about him, his legacy. And it's a pretty nice little snippet that we pulled out, but I have an hour and a half unedited video Mm. of this legend and um he was quite the flirt kind of funny (laughs) and um and charming and we had steve cropper on the bus too um he popped on the bus um so that was kind of cool but um i mean he was the most amazing and genuine human being that i've had the privilege of speaking with and i i tear up when i think about you know him being gone i know he he basically kind of alluded to the fact that he would haunt the you know the venues in a in a <laughs> cool and fun way you know like come and see me I'll still be hanging out so and I know he is but he was very genuine and he did not um, even broach the the race issues that he had had as a young man or his family mm. uh, he he just was just absolutely so amazing and and beautiful inside and out. And it was just a, a prize of a lifetime that I will never forget. In fact, I actually got to videotape. I became a videographer for him, and I did two other shows where I was actually pointing a camera at him during his shows at B.B. Uh, King. So I got to hang around him more than that time, which was really priceless. So I have those videos that are unedited as well. Um, treasures. But just to so. clarify, though, you used the expression on the bus. So you interviewed B.B. King on a bus? On his bus. Yep. He rolled right in on his bus, right in front of the venue, and we got on it. Wow. <laughs> and it, it was planned. We, nobody threw us in jail. It was all planned. <laughs> and, um, and we were all dressed up swanky and fun, and, you know, and they videotaped it, and we got all our pictures with him. And like I said, it was just... I think we might have been on the bus longer than two hours, but mm. the video itself, the whole interview process was an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's priceless footage. It's absolutely priceless. Awesome, awesome. Well, listeners, whether it's stories like Colleen's of performing with Mick Fleetwood or interviewing B.B. King, capturing memories is so important, even if they're musical memories. That could be a live performance of yours or getting a chance to play or write with a highly respected name in the business, turn to Tascam for all your audio recording solutions, from mixers to handheld recorders to even capturing audio for video. They've got an extensive array of gear. Whether you're a home hobbyist, an indie artist, or a national touring pro, check out all they have to offer for a variety of recording environments. Head to Tascam.com, that's T-A-S-C-A-M.com, and browse their products and then find a dealer. Do we get a discount? No. <laughs> like, Yay! I want to go buy something now. That was good. <laughs> In a little bit, I'll be giving out your website address and social media channels. But when the listeners look at your Instagram or Facebook, for example, they'll see pictures from late September of you in the recording studio. So let's go ahead and have you talk about where you are these days relative to new music that you're recording and releasing. Well, it's a work in progress, but I'm working with Sean Gassaway, who is an incredible producer. He's also a member of the Last Honky Tonk Music Series, and um, I'm blessed that he agreed to produce me, and um, we just had magic in the studio, and he gathered some boys from Three Doors Down and Daughtry's Bass Player as my band, and we went to town, and so far we have three songs, one of which you heard, Never Look Back, 
and there will be more. I'm just doing it in stages as I piece this together, and I might release them, you know, one at a time. I'm just kind of trying to figure this out because I have been super, super busy. And to be in my life is, is a chore <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> um, that's all I can say. I have to have my calendar. I have to have it on on my phone, on a computer, and a hard copy calendar, pocket calendar, because there's so much going on in my life. So I don't want to rush a good thing. But what we did in the studio, I let them do creatively what they wanted to do. And it's Greg Upchurch and Chet, um, the guitar player from Three Doors Down, and Josh Paul, the, the bass player, who plays with Daughtry. But each one of them had something that they wanted to contribute, and I wasn't just going to say, okay, I want you to do it this way, because if they wanted to put their spin on stuff, I wanted to hear it. And I gave Sean his wiggle room and leeway to do what he thought he needed to do, and I just let everybody do what they felt they needed to do, and it was magic. It was absolutely, we were laughing and singing and having the best time, and I can't wait to do more with them. And in fact, they're kind of on the brakes or they're like, let's go on the road. <laughs> I'm like, let's go on the road. I, I wish I could, <laughs> but I can't. But great guys. And there's going to be more coming from them, but they're absolutely incredible people and incredible musicians and such maniac talent. It's, it's crazy. I'm just so blessed. So are you writing these songs yourself or are you writing them with Sean? Or are you writing them with other writers and then bringing them to Sean? What does all that look like? Yes, 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 and yes. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. <laughs> never look back. Um, I've written everything that will be on the album will be something that I've written. I have written a song with Sean. We have not recorded it yet. It's an amazing song, and I know that there's something to this song, that something really special is going to happen with it. It's called I Am Strong. That will be on the album. And yes, I'm, I know that there will be more that I think I want to write to put on the album. And so I really don't want to rush this. And, you know, some people, I, I could go in the studio in a day and do it and knock it out of the park and lots of people do that and that's good for them. But I don't want to rush anything because this truly will be my first album that has a full band. I've had, you know, some recordings of things. I went, you know, I flew to Nashville and had six or seven masters at Bradley's Barn, which is where Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn and uh, Patsy Cline recorded at Bradley's Barn, which is no longer, um, it's not, it's not in, it's dead, it's dead burned. And, and it's sad, but those masters kind of got buried by the producer who's now passed. They were incredible work, but mm. I figured I did better work. It was other people's songs, but mm. I ended up saying, you know what, I can write better. So, mm. Well, that was an amazing process to work with these greats in this fabulous, historic, and legendary studio. I just don't count that because I don't, I didn't want to release it due to a variety of contractual things that mm-hmm. went by the wayside. So, those recordings, I have them, but I'm not putting them out. Sure. So this is tech. This is technically my first, free of any strings, any, <laughs> you know whatever because and here's another tip i work in a law firm and i do contracts all day long so people before you sign anything please make sure you know what you're signing because i didn't because i was so stupid Mm. (laughs) just trying a bunch of rubbish i did because i wanted it so bad and then you just end up with this mess and i thankfully am brilliant enough to get out of the mess because i i'm blessed to have had the legal background and I, I started putting my thinking cap back on and, you know, cleared the fog out of my eyes. Like, oh, okay, that was the dumbest thing you've done wow. <laughs> to date. Wow. But you just really, really have to be careful with things that people put in front of you just because you think you want it so badly. You don't tie yourself up in legal nightmares for years on end because yeah, yeah. you can very easily. So, sorry, there's that free tip of the day. <laughs> and so for this project, there is no deadline, no release date that you're targeting. There's no specific number of songs that it's, you know, once we get X amount written, that's when it, you're just kind of letting the chips fall where they may. Yes. That's exactly right. And I might come up with some creative day because numbers are very important to me. Mm. Um, but that number hasn't appeared in my head yet. And the main takeaway is I want it to be done well and I don't want it to be rushed. And 
Um, I do have Bridget London from the last Honky Tonk Music Series. I've given her blessings to play them on her radio stations, which they're all over the world. So people are getting them um, as a preview, you know, sneak peek, you hear it here first type thing. And that's fine because, you know, they need to hear it and get hungry for it so they can consider buying it, you know. It would be nice to to see people buying it once I get my act together. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I don't procrastinate. When this does come out, what genre would you tell the listeners that this is going to be in? Because you already said about that, getting back to that story about singing karaoke, you said, you know, you didn't know anything about country music. You weren't a country singer. Here you are living in Nashville, but you don't do country music. So just kind of educate the listeners again who are being introduced to you for the first time. This release, when it does come out, what category would you put this in? Well, it's actually going to be a potpourri of country music and rock and roll music and R&B music all smashed together. Wow. Because I do sing country music and I love country music and I did not know that I would. (laughs) And I do now sing. I know. I mean, my horizons have been broadened severely. (laughs) I love Dolly Parton and um, I love all the the country music that um, I've been immersed in here in Nashville. And so I've kind of developed my own little flavor and there's, I can do a gut wrenching ballad, which you will hear and, um, hand it to you, hand your heart back Mm. after I rip it out and put it back. (laughs) Here it is. Here's your heart. Um, and (laughs) I am graphic. I want, I want the listener to hear and feel what I felt when I wrote it. And, feel the joy or feel the pain or feel the sadness or feel the happiness or whatever I'm feeling or trying to, you know, convey. And I think that if they don't feel what I was feeling when I wrote it, that I haven't done my job Mm. and I can, I can relive my song in a heartbeat. I can go back to the moment, what I was feeling, what I, when I wrote it. And, um, and I think that's the good way to, you know, to present a story because my songs are stories and some of them are fictional some of them are fictional with a massive hint of reality. <laughs> and a lot of them have triple and quadruple meanings that I'm hiding in songs. <laughs> so um, I like to be clever with things. And it's really fun for me to have somebody come up to me and say, wow, this song is about that. And of course, it's the furthest thing that I had in my mind. But I'm never going to tell someone that that's not what that's about because to me a song is in it's it means so many things to different people in so many ways and I learned that with my English teachers you know some of them disagreed with my writing style and you know they tried to grade me on my opinions and it's like no you can't do that you can't grade me on my opinion you grade grade me on the grammar yeah. if I'm doing it grammatically correct yep. not my opinion yeah exactly so um, I'm a rebel in that regard I think that. <laughs> that music is literature and it it should be interpreted freely. Nicely said. Nicely said. Well, I alluded to this back in the intro. You've mentioned it once or twice now, but tell the listeners what the last honky tonk music series is. Oh, heavy breathe in. Woo. This is the most amazing collaboration of the most soulful human beings that I've had the privilege of meeting with, staying on a stage with, playing with, growing with, crying with. Mm. Um, They're from all over the United States, and we do what we call Concerts of Light. And in 2020, people keep your eyes peeled for that Concert of Light. And what that is, is historically it's been for a lot of um, veteran-related activities, and we work with the RNDA, which gives um, some veterans some surprises. And I can't, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but because I know that one of these veterans will end up hearing this and probably be a recipient. So I'm not going to say what it is. But what is it? What is RNDA, though? It's it's a military organization, and I don't recall what it stands for okay. exactly. But they um, collect money to help disabled veterans or homeless veterans veterans with PTSD, they just do an outreach program uh, for them. Okay. And they've been our, one of our major sponsors along with Datsos for these Concert of Lights. And we just did one in the Beacon Theater in um, Hopewell, Virginia. And we did one in Decatur not too long ago when the World War II ship was down there. And it's the most amazing um, 
healing therapeutic thing for the veterans, for the people in the audience that come to see these shows. We had a packed house at the Beacon Theater. It was just, it's a historic theater that is haunted. <laughs> we couldn't figure <laughs> out why, but it is. And um, and, and they're going to be all over the world. We're going to branch out internationally and do them. And it's not just going to be strictly for veteran-related charitable causes. It could be something for cancer research or heart association um, I lost my brother to, um, to some heart disease and actual malpractice, but it was associated with his heart. And so, um, in fact, Mick Fleetwood and Steven Tyler would walk with my dad to, to raise money for the, heart, uh, the American Heart Association mm. in Maui. Um, a big sucker for that cause and diabetes as well as close and near and dear to me. But each of our artists is going to pick a few charities that they want to have, have a concert of life. And then we'll be responsible for putting it together in whatever state, venue, and or place that we so deem appropriate and invite specific members of the series to come and play. And, okay. you know, people will pay a fee to come in and that all that money goes directly to the charity that mm. we choose. It's not like we're keeping it. So Amazing. I, I'm pretty blessed. And, you know, Bridget London is the, the leader and it all stemmed from a man named Wayne Mills, who was their, um, their mentor who played with Waylon Jennings. And, um, and he unfortunately was tragically murdered and i never got to know Wayne, but I know that he started the good works and then Bridget London carried the torch. And, you know, basically you have to have a selfless view on life like you can't just be doing this for fame and fortune because that's not what music is about. It's about giving back to people and making people heal and feel and they just can't be self-serving humans because there's lots of talented people that have egos bigger than Montana and we're not interested. We don't care about that. Um, these people are the most incredible musicians I've ever worked with in my life mm. and their hearts are bigger than their talent, if that's possible. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm blessed that they asked me. I mean, I almost, in fact, I did cry when they asked me because I really, once I heard them, I was like, I want to be one of them. It's kind of like the band of Merry Men, you know? <laughs> so like, how did you get the chance then? How did you get asked? Um, I was at the Pensacola Songwriter Festival where I met you. And um, I think Bridget London and Jill Kinsey were at the table um, where they have all of our drinks and food that I know you're familiar with. Yeah. We're, we're just sitting there. And um, I can't say what came to my mind when I heard the little voice say, tell them this. And I can't repeat it on the radio, but it was funny. And, <laughs> and they bonded with me immediately and, and said, oh, she's one of us. But it was like, mm. I'm not saying that to them. But um, it was just really funny. And, and then they watched me sing. And I think Bridget started hatching her plan to ask me, and Amazing. she invited me to third, um, oh, sorry, gosh, music. It was the Songs on the Bayou Festival. So right after I met them, they invited me to um, their songwriter festival in Morgan City. And um, I was allowed to sing at the uh, Morgan City Auditorium for that show, wow. and I was representing the Tex chromosomes. So... It was all amazing, and it's all, you got to be, things happen where you're supposed to be in the right place at the right time kind of thing, and I I do believe in angels, and I'm actually writing a book about them, so um, I talk to them all day long, and I just listen to what I'm told, and I take opportunities when I see them, and if I ignore my little voices that I hear, I'm not I'm not crazy. But if I ignore my intuition and or my angels or the guidance that I'm getting, I always regret it. So well, and you know, there's already been two prime examples now as we've talked. Number one is when you said to yourself, "I am going to play with Mick Fleetwood now," not when the manager says he'll be back around another time after the tour or whatever. And the second is this voice inside you telling you what to tell them as you sat there at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival and you're going, wait, that now? I don't know. Okay. And look at I what thought it she was going to hit me. I mean, it, <laughs> I really thought she was going to hit me. I was like, don't hit me. <laughs> yeah, look at what it turned yeah. out to be. So obviously there is such a thing as what you're describing and, and all these things are not coincidences. So it's it's very no. it's very insightful and very meaningful. Thank you. I, I get my I, I get my gifts from God. I know that I am just a vessel to deliver it, 
And I've had an agreement with him since I was a little kid that I'll sing until you take it away. Mm. And I'm I'm grateful I for my it. gift. I, I have it. more more than I should have, and I, I don't let them go to waste. I love so. it. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is songwriters. Here's an interesting exercise for you to try. Take a look at the emotion, the perspective of your songs. If you find that you're writing all depressing, negative, whining, pain and suffering songs, consider starting a new chapter. Throw away the slow, angry songs written with all minor chords. Write happy songs in major chords that have positive messages. And thus, force yourself to expand your creativity and condition a new muscle that has been dormant and out of shape. And then, watch the comparison and see which songs do better for you. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Well, Colleen, we've had a couple good teaching moments already, but I just feel compelled to back up a bit to the stories that you told about Mick Fleetwood and B.B. King. And again, continuing to keep in mind that we do have a lot of listeners to this show who are up and coming singers, songwriters, recording artists who listen and subscribe because they want to learn from me and my guests. When we talked about Mick, it was that idea of, you know, you better really be good. You better really be confident. The B.B. King thing, though, was it was there any takeaway from that in terms of a lesson that can be passed along to those listeners, because it seems like more and more these days, people do find opportunities where they do get a chance to be around a legend or at least a superstar. And those can be make or break moments for someone. So is there a teaching moment maybe from the B.B. King experience that you can pass along? Well, for me, I have confidence and um, I don't know where it came from, but you have to have confidence as far as delivery of this, you know, this momentous task that's going to be set before you, but you also have to have um, common sense and grace and know what to say and not what to say. You can't have every thought that goes in your head come out of your mouth, which typically I am like that. I, <laughs> I've been told in brain, brain to mouth fistula where it just comes out of my mouth. It's like, oops, that was a moment. Um, I, I just really think that most people that I've met, and I've met some of the biggest people in the industry, they don't want you to fall all over them. They just want you to treat them like people with respect. And if you gush and act like a fool, uh, <laughs> you know, and or too out of character, or if you approach them when they're eating their dinner, which unfortunately people did while we were eating dinner, the poor man couldn't even have his, you know, couldn't even have his dinner without people coming running up to the table. Mm. It's nice if you just let them be them. And be with their families and not kind of, can I have a, God, can I have an autograph? Can I have a picture? Can I, you know, it's hard not to do that, but I guess just remember that they're people and they're, they're trying to, um, exist with all of this fame and they would like to be able to slip away somewhere and be quiet for a moment. Cause I'm sure their lives are not filled with quiet. It's constant. And how? So I just like to, you know, downplay my enthusiasm like I'm sitting there the real Colleen Loy would have squealed like a maniac going I can't believe I'm here <laughs> <laughs> but I had to control my inner child and say no you're not going to act like that you just calm down and just act like this is something you're owning you own this interview it's going to happen and I said a prayer before the interview and asked for guidance so that I wouldn't look like a fool because I, I couldn't look at my paper, so I had to commit everything to memory, yeah. and it just flowed. It just flowed, and I know it was because of the prayers, yep. and um, I just say, use common sense. I mean, really, if people use common sense in life, that's the main recipe for success, is use common sense on everything you do, 
and just, you know, chill out. Well, <laughs> and the piece of advice that I would add in, and this complements something that you said earlier, is the best chance you have of them not ever hearing a single song that you wrote is handing them music unsolicited. If you don't want them to listen to it, go ahead and hand it to them because they're not going to listen to it. You have to just treat them like a normal person. And as you said before, Colleen, Mm -hmm. let it just happen organically. Whereas part of the conversation, they eventually get to like you as a person. They're going to figure out eventually that you do music. And if they really like Mm -hmm. you and if they're really interested, they will ask you to give them a CD or email them an MP3 or give them a link or whatever. And if they don't ask, that's because they're not interested. So... You know, you that's can't. Correct. Yeah, I mean, to walk yeah. up to them with it a CD—that's that's a big, big no. File thirteen. File thirteen. It'll go in the trash can. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, I I have, um, and I won't mention who he is, but in my family, I'm a major producer that's in in the family married, and he's never heard me sing. Mm. And until he wants to hear me sing, he's not going to hear me sing. Wow. <laughs> wow. And and that is fine because that man is so busy and so amazing as a producer that it's, it's unbelievable. And people are like, he's not hurt you. Well, no, no, he hasn't because I'm in the family and I'm not going to ask, you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not going to do it. It's um, so the bottom line for everyone is I've, I've waited for years for some hit writers to approach me that I've known as friends and I've never asked them for anything. I've never asked anybody for anything in my music career. It's just happened. And it, mm. as you said, organically through networking. Networking is the most efficient way to get anywhere in the music industry. If you don't network and you think that, you know, like I did, and I was deluded, I thought I was just going to fly in from California, get a record deal, and fly home. Um, and I could have probably if I, you know, wasn't a mother and had priorities like my children. Mm. And mm. I had many opportunities that I had to forego as a mother. And I don't regret a minute of it. And it's just a matter of, you know, patience. And patience has been my life lesson. I I never had mm. it. And you require it to, to sustain yourself in this industry. Uh, patience is a virtue. And um, Amen. and it's a great thing to have. It, I mean, it's, it's really hard to have patience, especially as, you know, everything's so instant, you know, with social media. Everything is instant, yeah. instant, instant gratification. And I'm guilty. I like instant gratification. But... It doesn't work that way, and the reality is you have to have patience and you have to um, really breathe, just breathe and let it be. (laughs) Well, yeah, because what happens is on social media you see the breaks or what look like like breaks that others are getting in the business, and you say, well, when's my opportunity? When's this going to happen for me? When do I get my break? You don't know the real story behind those people and how long they took to get it. So you do just have to right. remain patient. And you do have to work hard and you do have to network. And eventually mm-hmm. those things will pay off. But I can't tell you when eventually is and Colleen can't tell you when eventually is. You just have to get the reps and network and be patient. Mm-hmm. Work hard. Work hard, play hard. I did a callback to the B.B. King Mick Fleetwood part of our conversation, but I want to give you more time to talk about you're you're really big on the men and women who've served our country, and, and you extend that not only to your songwriting, but you've even done USO shows, too. Yes. Um, I've always been a huge supporter of the military, and um, my son is a veteran now, but at the time when I was um, doing that, he was not, and then he joined the Army, and then he went, you know, airborne, and then, you know, went to Ranger School and all that and um, had several deployments in Afghanistan, and each time he came back, I did a USO show in Vincenza, Italy, where he was stationed with the 173rd, and I think, and I've said this, and I'll say this until I'm in my grave, or before they shut the whatever they're going to do on me, I think I'll be (laughs) cremated, but (laughs) I don't want to be stuck in the ground. Um, I think I can't give back to the veterans and the active military enough for what they've done for us and what they do for us. And being a mother of a deployed soldier Mm. was the worst time of my life. Mm. And um, literally because they lost a whole bunch of men in that deployment. And the only thing that kept me semi-sane was the green Facebook dots because I friended every soldier that he went to war with. And when the green dots were on Facebook, 
we knew that they were still alive. And when they were not online, it was a blackout, which means somebody had died and they weren't able to communicate. Wow. wow. And, you know, these were the longest, I mean, some of it was a year, and it was the hardest time. And I find myself forgetting that, you know, people driving and commuting, because I hate my commute. I commute from Murfreesboro to Nashville every day. And, you know, I get impatient with drivers, but then I realize, you know, that could be a mother of a soldier or a father of a soldier, and they don't know what happened to their kid, Mm. and let's cut them some slack, let's be human, and it puts things in a different perspective, and I mean, I wanted to scream at people when people were rude to me, like, don't you know I have a kid that's over there, and I mean, it is a brutal thing to be married to a soldier, to be the mother of a soldier, the father, sister, brother, related in any way when they're deployed and I will never forget what it felt like. And so I will hug as many veterans as they will let me hug and I will do as much as I can until my, my voice is gone because they have given us the ability to be free and to do what we do, which is, you know, live without bombs flying on our heads. Yeah. So there's, there's my take on that. Nicely said. Listeners, I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by singer, songwriter, guitar player Colleen Loy. Visit her official website at ColleenLoy.com, and that's Loy with two L's. I will put a link to her website from the show page for this episode at NHTE.net. And then once you hit her website, you'll also see icons down at the bottom to engage with Colleen on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Plus, as I mentioned earlier, she is also on Instagram. Of course, do purchase Colleen's original music, which you can find in the store section of her website. Keep up with Colleen so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live, as well as to see updates that she posts as she continues to record her new music so that when her new album comes out, you'll be in the know on that. You heard me ask Colleen earlier about new music of hers. Well, this show is my new release, a new episode that I put out every week. So just like supporting the guests on this show by purchasing their singles, their EPs, their albums... I ask you to consider supporting me and this show as well so I can continue to put out my new release each week. You can do that through the Patreon for this show. Just head to the show website, nhte.net, and click on the orange Support Us on Patreon button to go see the video I posted on there a few weeks ago and read more about getting involved at whatever amount you can afford, whatever you feel most comfortable with. That will also tell me that you find value in this show, whether that's educational value and learning from me and my guests, and or entertainment value. And by the way, one other way you can help now hear this entertainment without having to give directly is, especially now that it's the holiday shopping season, although this applies any time of year, whenever you're going to buy from Amazon, start by going to the show website, nhte.net. Click on the tall Amazon banner there. If you're on your phone, it will open the Amazon shopping app. And if you're on your computer, it will open their website Either way, once your transaction is complete, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to the show to help with the costs that I incur for putting out a new episode every week. All your information is protected by Amazon, so you don't have to worry about me seeing what you purchased or what the total was. Just start at nhte.net and click the tall Amazon banner to start your way to shopping from them and know that I will greatly appreciate it. I did not know that. That's good to know. Yeah. It's a good time of year to do it because everyone's hitting Amazon now. (laughs) Do it now. Do it now. (laughs) Uh, Many of the listeners should surely be familiar with the band Tesla, but what they might not know is your connection. Tell them what I'm referring to. Well, that's an interesting story. Um, Way, way, way back in the archives of my youth, um, (laughs) there was a music competition in Northern California called um, uh, KZAP Hometown 2 Album. And that was all musicians up and down Northern California had an opportunity to submit their music for this particular um, album, which was for charity, Mothers Against Drive, Drunk Drivers. So I submitted a song called Sooner or Later, which was my actual very, very, very first recording in a professional studio. Mm. And we were just children. And um, it was flooding and raining in Sacramento. And I it was a long story, but I had to go chase down the masters because the person that um, wrote the song ran off the masters and I hunted him down and got the reel to reel because that was how long ago it was. And I had to be thrown inside my Mustang sideways through the window to get there. The car stalled on the interstate and I looked like a drowned water rat. It was, it was horrible. I think I had five minutes to get to the radio station, KZAP 98.5 in Sacramento, which is still going today. 
And I went to the back door and said, here's my submission. My name is Colleen Loy. And I threw it down. (laughs) And I went home and didn't think about it for a while. Then they called me and said, you're the number one song on the B-side. And um, so it was Colleen Loy sooner or later um, on the B-side. And then City Kid was number 12 on the B-side, I believe. And their manager found me, and we basically parted out my band and took Brooke Bright, which was my guitar player, because my song was getting a lot of airplay at the time. Um, And basically, we just kind of put me and my my guitar player with City Kid, and they got rid of their singer, and I was singing with them, and then we went on a hunt to find a male singer to sing with me, and so... We auditioned a whole bunch of people, and Jeff Keith ended up being that singer. And we did some shows under you know, the name City Kid. We had a different drummer. Bobby Contreras was our drummer, and, of course, Frankie Hannon was the um, guitar player, Brian Lee, the bass player, Brooke Bright, my guitar player, me and Jeff. And um, we did state fairs, festivals, even, I think, homecomings. <laughs> I'm not even sure. <laughs> and um, back... And I'm going to date myself, and I don't care because I still think I'm going backwards in age. I really, I've always been a songwriter, but I really kind of sucked, and that's the truth. And I didn't really know, and it was a man's world in the music industry, and there weren't many of us playing guitar, and Nancy, you know, Nancy Wilson was one of them, Chrissy Hine, the Pretenders. Heck, Bonnie Raitt wasn't even doing her thing yet. It was well before that. And um, I kind of just, I, I was working in the hospital at this point, and I decided they're going to go on the road. And the guys were right. They didn't have day jobs. I did. I've always had that day job before. Uh. <laughs> and um, they're like, we're going to go on the road. And I'm like, well, I'm making 11 bucks an hour. I'm not going with you. So have a good time. And um, we parted very nicely. And I stayed behind. And shortly thereafter, they changed their name to Tesla. But um, it was a magical moment. Those guys are incredible. Um, I'm friends with all of them. And um, there's been a little, you know, lineup change with uh, Tommy getting pitched because he wouldn't stop his naughty behavior with drugs. But Dave Rude is a great guy. Um, and Troy Lucetta, um, he it's so funny how people meet because I, I met his cousin or his cousin's wife at a women's retreat type thing. And she mentioned something about Tesla, but she was talking about Nikola Tesla. (laughs) And I said, well, I used to sing with them. And she's like, well, my cousin is Troy. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I ended up at dinner with Troy and, and uh, Scott Van Zandt. I I just posted something on my Facebook page today where Scott Van Zandt, he's a hit writer and he's written for Kiss and he's an incredible guitar player and he's uh, Troy's cousin. And Scott and I go in and out of the studio and stuff. And so Scott invited me to dinner, and there's Troy sitting across from me. And he goes, do you know that Colleen was in the band City Kid? And he's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It was before you. You weren't even in the band. And he was just laughing. And they're the sweetest people on the planet. And I finally had a 30-year reunion. And this is where it gets really crazy weird. So we're having a 30-year kind of reunion at the Ryman Auditorium. I'm backstage. And this is where it gets super, super weird. Daryl Wayne Dasher, who's also in the last Honky Tonk music series, is backstage in the Ryman with Jeff Keith. Jeff Keith and Daryl Wayne Dasher play in Jeff's country music band. Daryl meets me backstage for about 30 seconds, and I'm, you know, bouncing off the walls with all of them, and then I have to go back and meet the rest of them and say hi. And Daryl sees me in Morgan City, remembers that I was in the backstage of the Ryman with Tesla, and he said, hey, I have a story to tell you. Weren't you with... Um, us backstage at the Ryman with Jeff Keith, and I'm like, yeah. Mm. He goes, well, I, I play guitar for him. So Daryl's in the series with me, The Last Honky Tonk. So anytime Daryl and I are together, we always send a picture to Jeff, like, we're together again, <laughs> and stick our tongues out at him. But it's the smallest big world. I mean, how insane is that? Amazing. That Daryl, who's in the series with me, that I didn't know from a load of coal a year before, Amazing. is Jeff's friend. Yeah. Wow. I mean, so... They're they're wonderful men. They're super talented, and I'm proud to be part of their history. It's amazing. So that's that's really where the rock and roll came from. <laughs> it's, it's in my DNA. And in mentioning a place like the Ryman, I mentioned back in the intro that you've performed at the Bluebird Cafe, and last month you did multiple performances at the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival, including getting to play 
at the famous Florabama. How special is it getting to play at some of those legendary type venues that some artists will go their entire career without ever getting to do one song at? You know, I almost hyperventilated because I really didn't know what that was. I, once again, I'm pretty naive. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got to play Florabama last year one time and then I realized, oh my, and I've waited to be invited to the Frank Brown Festival, I believe. Of course, I really haven't been active-active, but I've known that I've wanted to play it because I knew how prestigious it was to be invited. And when I finally got there and I got to play the main room two times, that was like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. Um, I felt like they were rolling out red carpet for all of us. We were just treated so well and... You know, once again, it's networking, it's paying off, and and that's a long time, you know, 20 years. (laughs) But was it worth it? Every bit of it. It, Outstanding. It's super, super incredible um, because it's so coveted to play there, and they only have so many slots. And how? You know, it's like, and, you know, same thing with the Pensacola Songwriter Festival. That's even, you know, it's like, okay, they, they have... Uh, limited slots for people. They want to get people in there and they want to, you know, rotate people in. But um, I- I'm just blessed that people invite me to come back. And I'm a kid in a candy shop when I'm at a songwriter <laughs> festival. Like, this is this is what I was born to do. There you go. There you go. Well, listeners, one venue that I was always proud to say that I was able to get one of my clients booked to perform at was the House of Blues inside Mandalay Bay on the Las Vegas Strip. Las Vegas is loaded with great music spots, obviously lots of casinos, great shows to go see, some really cool hotels, lots more. But when you go there, you want practical advice. How about like the best brew pub, the best buffet, the best burger in Las Vegas? Even better, wouldn't you like to know how to avoid those long restaurant lines in Las Vegas without being a high roller or tipping someone a pile of cash. These are just a few examples of the many types of tips that you will read in the Access Vegas newsletter, which comes to your email inbox from the editor himself. On my show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo and get $5 off at sign up when you put in the code BRUCE. Then get access to members-only info, tips, the latest scoop about what I think is really the city that never sleeps. You'll also get access to their archives so you can read back issues that you missed. Again, go to the podcast website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and then use the code BRUCE at sign up to get $5 off. You're filled with information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. I want to go to Mandalay Bay. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> We're almost out of time, but as we wrap up not only this episode, but this year and head towards 2020. What's next for you? Obviously, the album is in the works. Uh, you talked a little bit about the Honky Tonk Music Series. What's what's on the horizon in terms of maybe once we get past the first of the year that listeners should be on the lookout for? These are all the Concert of Lights that I spoke of earlier. They're going to be everywhere, all over the nation and, and internationally. So um, wow. there will be new music. There will be lots of um, events for amazing causes that you can, if you see a concert of light, it's us. It's, there's nobody else doing it. So if you see it, if you hear the word concert of light put in one sentence, it's, it's the last talky talk music series. I encourage you to all go out and buy a ticket. You will not be entertained any better. I cannot, I mean, these, these people are amazing. They perform their original music and, I promise you, you will have a nice takeaway. Your heart will be filled knowing that you have been entertained and you will be doing something for a great cause. So keep your eyes peeled and you can look at the last music, um, honkytonkseries.com um, website for for more information. It'll be coming out and or add me on Facebook. My personal page is full. I don't have any more room in the end. But I encourage people to go to my um, Colleen Loy band page. And um, I'm the only Colleen Loy in the world. I've looked, and there is no other. And that's a good thing. <laughs> Having two of me would be a bad thing. <laughs> kind of like a, a tornado or the Tasmanian devil I'm, uh, with my energy. But, yeah, please add me on uh, on Instagram, Colleen Loy. And also I'm Colleen Loy at Twitter. And uh, it's there's no D. Don't put a D because you're not going to find me. Um, Colleen Lloyd Music Band, something like that. It's 
I'll pop up. And I think I'm singing with a red, white, and blue electric guitar. It's my KSM guitar endorsement okay. um, that I took overseas to the USO. And I will put a link to the last Honky Tonk music series in addition to a link to Colleen's website so that you can go and check that out, listeners. And as she's saying, keep up with her on social media so you can see when and where she's going to be and you can go see that when it's in your area. Uh, we're going to close today, Colleen, with a song of yours called Someone Like Me. So before I let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Well, it's um, it's just a very personal song that um, I wrote with... Brianna D'Alba, who was living in Nashville, and then she moved away, and she came back. She's from California. She was probably 18 or 19 at the time. Um, it's just a personal story from my vantage point, so all you have to do is listen to it, but it's kind of like an empowering song to if you've been in a relationship where things just didn't go very well and you find yourself that you know that you have worth and that you can push through it and realize, you know, you don't have to put up with feeling bad about yourself. Mm. And so I think it hopefully will empower women to um, stand firm in what they're entitled to and what they should have. Or And that goes for men, too. Um, nobody should put up with any um, anything, <laughs> period. <laughs> if you don't feel good in a relationship, get out. That's my final take on that. <laughs> It is a, it's a beautiful song, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Wonderful message, wonderful message. I'm really tickled that you invited me on your show. This is a treat Absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad that we got to do it. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'll say an early happy holiday to you, but um, we'll be excited to continue to watch for the new music to come out and certainly the last Tonky Tonk music series as that continues to roll out through 2020. <laughs> And I'm going to share your website on my pages so that people can um, find out who you are because you do Thank a you. great service for all of us. And um, I'm grateful. Your tenacity pays off. I'm not hard to catch. I mean, I am hard to catch. <laughs> I just lied to you. I am hard to catch. I know I am. Uh, I appreciate your tenacity in, in following up with me. I'm a, a moving target. Thank so you. thank you again My pleasure. for having me on your show. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you guys out there. Hope to see you all on my page. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Colleen Loy. Do visit her official website, which is ColleenLoy.com. Again, I will put a link to her website from the show page for this episode at NHTE.net. Once you are on ColleenLoy.com, look for the icons down at the bottom so you can head over to her social media, being Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Plus, as you just heard, find and follow Colleen on Instagram as well. For that matter, tell you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Of course, do purchase her music, which you can find in the store section of ColleenLoy.com. Be sure to keep up with her online so you can see where and when you can see her perform live, whether that's with the last Honky Talk music series or otherwise, and of course for information as she releases it towards the new album that you heard that she's working on. A reminder about helping support me and this show, I am for all intents and purposes a one-man operation doing all the writing, recording, editing of this show, as well as booking the guests, doing the promotion for it, and so on. As a result, I'd love your help with the costs associated with producing a new episode every week. I'm optimistic that you're getting value from listening and subscribing to this show, educational value and or entertainment value. It would really mean a lot to me if you would say so by contributing through the Patreon for Now Hear This Entertainment Find it by going to the show website, nhte.net, and clicking on the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button. You can give in whatever amount you wish. And then also, as I mentioned before, any time at all that you're purchasing anything from Amazon, you can help the show that way too, meaning go first to nhte.net and then click on the tall Amazon banner and voila, you're off. If you're on your phone, that will automatically open the Amazon shopping app for you. Or if you're on your computer, it will open their website. Either way, once you complete your transaction, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me to help with this show's expenses. And not only is it at no extra cost to you, but I don't even see how much you spent or what you bought. So you get to help me out and the show without it being a direct expense to you. That's going to do it for episode 304. Thanks so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Colleen Loy. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Someone Like Me. Well, I know that I'm not perfect And I never tried to be All I've 
Hurt. 